So, you've just finished A Court of Thorn and Roses, and you're craving another fantasy world to devour. Dipsy's got your back. Dive into spicy enemies-to-lovers tales or embark on an epic romance between immortal fae and sworn foes. They've got fantasy romance stories perfect for your morning walk, late night, or long bath. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, spicy audio stories. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. I gotta tell you that the immersive soundscapes are really what makes a good sexy story different from a not good sexy story because it just like adds like it's hard sometimes in like reading a novel to like get the actual feel of what's going on but when it's like oh we're like at the coffee shop and this is like actually happening it's like very different (laughs) and there's a growing library of fantasy series with werewolves greek gods and goddesses regency era historical fiction for you sam and fairy smut to explore the bounds of your pleasure new content is released every week so in between listening to your favorite stories again and again you can always find something new to explore dipsy offers a modern approach to romance through high quality and captivating audio fiction for listeners of the show dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash just break up that's 30 days of full access for free when you go to dipsystories.com slash just break up dipsystories.com slash just break up Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra DeMolder. And I'm Sam Blackwell. And this week, we're going to tackle topics like demanding generosity, deepening our self-awareness, and having our cake and eating it too. My favorite phrase yes, of 2019. <laughs> right? But before we begin, we just want to give you our Surgeon General's warning, which is that we are just two English majors who don't have any sort of like education in this or accreditation. No one has licensed us to do this. Yes, we are not professionals. So please take our advice as you see fit. We are only here to offer our humble musings to hopefully shed some understanding and maybe some laughs on the incredibly rewarding, but mostly confusing experience that is love. So yeah, welcome to the first episode recorded post quarantine insanity (laughs) (laughs) yes uh so for those of you who don't know who don't subscribe to us on patreon we had a bank of episodes recorded um like for the end of um march and into april um so this is actually the first episode that sam and i have been recording um sort of in real time Mm -hmm. um and uh yeah so we are recording this remotely i'm looking at Sam's beautifully um, moisturized face via FaceTime. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah, uh, we just want to, like, check in a little quickly about all of that uh, before we get into our actual check-in topic. How are you doing, Sam? Um, You know, I'm taking it a day at a time. (laughs) Yeah. I should say that Sam and I have been talking about it um, not, like, too intensely like we're we're not trying to like give you like COVID-19 overdrive content here but we have been talking about our experiences and our tips and tricks about how to like handle this time on our Patreon so if you want to check that out it's patreon.com slash just break a pod um um uh, 
Go ahead. I would say that I'm super thankful for the technology that exists, like Mm. FaceTime and Zoom and Google Hangouts and all of that. And at the same time, I am so sick of them. Mm-hmm. I am mm-hmm. like ready to never have a Zoom meeting ever again in my life. <laughs> yeah, totally. I, the yeah, the one that's let's each just share one little COVID nineteen <laughs> thing. That's yours. Mine is um, I'm getting a little concerned because the things that I do to clock out, which are full transparency here, you know, watch TV, mm-hmm. maybe get high, uh-huh. <laughs> um, and maybe eat junk food. <laughs> sure. Um, those. Those things I'm just doing like on a regular basis, yeah, like all the <laughs> because, time. Because every night I want to like clock out from the news. I want to clock out from this, the global stress um, and uncertainty. And so now the things that I'm using to like as my mental vacation are no longer they're becoming normal. So the 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 benefits of them are wearing off. Like I'm so fucking sick of Netflix and I <laughs> I am running out of weed. And I'm t- <laughs> Um, so, uh, yeah, that's, that's what I'm dealing with right now. (laughs) Like similarly to you, it's like the things that are bringing us together, bringing us peace at this time. We're like getting desensitized (laughs) to. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that Um, is, that is very legit. Yeah. I'm also like strangely the fittest I've ever been. (laughs) Because like all I do now is work Okay, everyone in the world goes, good for you, Sam. Uh, It's just a very weird experience to like never leave my house and also be like, um, I'm like really fit right now. And it's because like I'm so bored that all I do is work out. Please, tiny, sweet little baby Jesus, will you start like a fitness Instagram where you post (laughs) fit pictures of yourself? I'll be the only follower. I love it. That's great. I'll make a private account. So that no one yeah, else can yeah, see yeah. it except for you. Yeah. And the account's name is Sam's Muscles. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Anyway. Um, so uh, before we get into our actual real check-in topic, um, I want to remind all of you that Sam and I are hosting our first ever Just Break Up live stream show this upcoming Saturday, April 18th at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time or whatever daylight. date central daylight time is, it bullshit i am i literally you know how old i was when i learned about that yesterday. 33 yes exactly you were yesterday old yeah spencer corrected my my fucking flyer for it and i was like uh educate me please yeah. like, this is what homeschooling did to me when i was little uh that's fine i found out about it when i was like 25 and working as an administrative assistant so like Girl, that was like eight years ago. I found out about it yesterday. (laughs) But I'm just saying, I don't think like, I don't think public school taught me this. Yeah, that's just bullshit. Anyway. um, (laughs) Central daylight time is when we will be doing it. This is just proof that like I'm angry that I learned something new. Um, That's like the fragility of the human psyche. Anyway, um, it's at 6 p.m. Minnesota time. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone's like, I don't Um, know where Minnesota is. Somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, if you want to grab a ticket for that, it's only $5. It's only $5. And you can find tickets for that on JustBreakUpPod.com. And Sam and I are donating half of the proceeds to... Uh, The Greater Twin Cities COVID-19 Response and Recovery Fund. So 100% of those dollars go to folks who are working with people who are most impacted by COVID-19, primarily folks who are living in poverty. Yes. Uh, so check that out. It's we're, Sam and I are going to do it via Zoom, his favorite platform ever. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be live streamed through YouTube and we'll send you the link the day of. So 
um, please check that out. Um, if you would like to donate to um, directly to uh, the COVID-19 re- relief and response group that Sam talked about, um, we're going to include the link um, to that in our like show notes. Um, uh, we could include it in the, these show notes and for the, the, the live stream show we're going to do. I also want to say... And Spencer, you can cut this out if you want (laughs) that, that I don't know if we're going to be able to record that episode and make it available for everyone. So if you can get it, get your tickets, get like, do, do that. Don't bank on being able to listen to it later. Um, and yeah. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Let's get into our check-in topic 48 minutes later. Um, so our check-in topic is, uh, inspired by a letter by a listener, named Holly, who is writing to us from South Africa. Wow. And Holly writes, hey, guys, um, how can I overcome the idea of my first love not being my last and only? I dated a boy for two years and we've broken up. I thought we would be together for a longer time and maybe even get married. He seems to be moving on, even though he says he'd be willing willing to try again. I can't seem to come to terms with the fact that I might not be with him again. I'm feeling very insecure in this unstable space of not knowing exactly what's going on between us. How can I do the same and move on to find a better, truer love? Or can I get him back and have him be mine exclusively again? Thank you. I'm clearly in two minds about this. So, uh, Holly, thanks for writing. We chose this check-in topic because of the your relationship is now a metaphor for everyone in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Grieving their old life. <laughs> I love that. How I was ac- like, how you picked this, and that? I was like, I, I, where are we going with this? But now it all makes sense. So thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, okay. So I'm going to answer Holly's letter very specifically to her experience, but I want you all to be thinking about <laughs> your daily lives. And um, I, before I get into, I want to say a lot of my answers are based off of an article that I read that brought me a lot of solace during this time of uncertainty mm-hmm. Call the title of the article was that discomfort you're feeling is grief by, um, Scott Baranato. Uh, and it was published in, um, the Harvard business, uh, review. So, yeah. Um, okay. So how do you. Well, I'm I'm going to be very like grief focused because right now, Holly, what you're experiencing, or when any when anyone's relationship, particularly like the first one, because mm-hmm. you're like, oh my god, I'm going to marry this person, and we're going to have a million babies consensually, and it's going to be great. Uh, and then when that expectation of reality changes, we it's just it's like the first time we get truly crushed by our own emotions. <laughs> you know or by the or it's i think the first loves are hard because it's when we learn people are truly capable of not loving us right Mm -hmm. or or it may it potentially might be the first time we've learned that for sure and that is like one of like the cold hard truths of life is that not everyone is for us and not everyone wants to eat what we're dishing out you know Weird? Was that weird? No, I just like <laughs> that sucks to hear like said yeah, out loud. <laughs> I know, I know. The, f- the literally the fact that people out there people don't want me <laughs> like <laughs> is traumatizing to my little Gemini narcissistic brain. No, I get it. Uh, this is one star um, reviews, man. <laughs> <laughs> they haunt me. They fucking haunt me. Um, but anyway, so what we're what you're experiencing right now, Holly, is not just like heartbreak, but you're grieving. You're grieving the loss of 
what you thought was normalcy and you were grieving your idea, your perceived idea of the future. Mm-hmm. Um, and something I got from that article that I mentioned early is anticipatory grief is when the future is uncertain mm-hmm. and we grieve in advance of, of something, of the unknown. Yeah. And I think that's something that we're all experiencing right now, but it's also something that you experience in love when the door isn't fully closed, mm. when you're like, I am walking around with all this heartache. I don't know what the future holds either with this person or without this person. Mm-hmm. And it, it's becoming physicalized, you know, like heartbreak is such a physical experience. Um, do you relate to that? Yeah. Or like the that- anticipatory grief of like the time before you're over someone or you've moved on. Mm-hmm. The uncertainty is like, ugh, it's terrible. <laughs> yeah, for sure. No, and I think you're right that we're all in that place right now of like anticipatory grief of we don't mm. know who's going to get sick. Like we don't know who is going to die. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> We don't know what's going to happen with uh, our jobs and the economy and like what that's going to look like. And it's just really scary. But it, we all fundamentally know that this is going to be a huge disruption of what we had come to expect of our lives. Right. Right. And that is really scary. Um, and I think it, you're right that it is like a very specific type of grief, which is different than when you have a parent that dies and that person right. is just dead, right? Like there's right. no like question mark around it. I mean, there are right. for sure you can have feelings of like denial or, or whatever, but like, you know, there's no going back from that point. Um, right. And I think what's really hard and I think what people are experiencing right now with like their anxiety being triggered is that like, we have no control over what's about to happen. And also we know that bad things are happening and can, going to continue right. to happen. And, and we don't, and we want it to go back to normal, right? right. Yep. We want normalcy, but we know normalcy has been changed forever. Mm-hmm. For sure. Sorry to interrupt you. No, that's real. Uh, and like, that's at a macro level. And then at a micro level, that's like exactly what's happening in relationships. You get when, it. <laughs> when someone breaks up with us, because it's like the normal is now gone. We don't know right. what the new normal is going to look like, and it right. could be awful. It could be scary, um, right. and we have no control over what that normal looks like because the thing that we were banking on has now been taken away from us. Exactly. That's <laughs> why I chose this letter, Sam. Um, so Holly and literally every other fucking person in the world, <laughs> um, you can think about this time as a grieving period and that it's okay to grieve and mourn something, even if that person or that thing isn't lost. I think about all the plans I had for April and May and oh, yeah, we were grieving- going to go on a tour. Remember <laughs> I'm grieving them. Yeah. I'm, I'm literally grieving them and that's okay. Um, but where our power is, is in what we can control Holly. Like you cannot control whether this man gets with you again. You can control how much you communicate with him. You can control how much news you're reading right now. Mm -hmm. You can control, um, you can, you can choose to start the grieving process now so that it doesn't, you know, hit you in the ass and like grow and fester in a couple months, you know, going back to the national global pandemic, like, I've started grieving the things that I'm afraid are going to be canceled in June now, mm-hmm. like yeah. our birthdays. <laughs> oh my God. I just heard that Minneapolis parks is not opening any beaches this summer. So, <gasps> Oh my God, you're fucking kidding me. Okay. Anyway, um, <laughs> that is like a 
Ugh, okay. Anyway, so but I it sounds really morbid, but I'm start I'm trying to t- jumpstart that grieving process because I know I can control that. Mm-hmm. So that is going to empower me when think when when the heartache does happen. So Holly, when this person does continue to move on, which he has already done, like you've said, he you can say to yourself, I knew this was coming. I know we're not going to get back together. This happened. I now need to move forward. This happened, right? This happened to us globally, and this happened to you, Holly. That's 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 what you can control. What you know to be true, mm-hmm. and um, you need to get through the stages of grief to acceptance, because acceptance is where our power is. Because this, accept accepting what happened and what we know to be true. The, the little that we, that we know to be true in a time of great uncertainty, it helps us find the small amount of balance that we need to combat things like anxiety, fear, self-loathing, um, and come into the present. Like, name what you know to be true. Mm-hmm. Right now, I know, Holly, that you are worthy of love whether this man loves you or not. I also know that I am scared and... Um, and anxious for the health and safety of myself and my loved ones. But I also know that right now, all I can control is my daily life, right? All I have access to right now is telling my loved ones that I love them, protecting myself, et cetera. Um, yeah. Yeah. The parallels, the parallels, man, between <clears throat> a global right. pandemic and heartbreak. Well, and I think, I think what is happening right now, um, and I've been thinking about this a lot because I've also been trying to identify things that I can control and things that are outside of my control is that like this disruption of our lives or like even a breakup is a reminder of how little we can control. Like we mm. thought we thought that we had some sort of modicum of control over the economy or like, I don't know how people interact with each other, but the realization of like, oh my God, I have absolutely no control of that. But at the same time, I never had any control over that. Right? Bitch, that, <laughs> yes, you, I'm clapping for you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, that is so fucking true. Is that, and you know, what's so weird is like, if you haven't learned on just breakup already that I find comfort in dark things, <laughs> mm-hmm. I, that gives me a great amount of comfort knowing I never had control. Right. Right. Oh my the God. The only thing I ever had control over is, is myself, is my boundaries that I've established is the way that I respond and react to other people. Right. And so like, I'm like reminding I'm myself. I'm genuinely like, comforted by that right now. Yeah, yeah. I cannot control how people are responding to this crisis in real life it's, on social media. I could, but surrender. I never could control what those people did. Yes. <laughs> Yes. So like, okay, but you can't. But like, talk about what you can control. You can block people. You can turn off the news. You know, you can you can, uh, you can decide who has access to your heart and mind. Like that's really all yes. that you can control right now. And like, yes. and also like your physical body. But I forget that exists because I'm a type five enneagram, and I think that I'm just a floating brain. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Who's really fit right now? <laughs> so fit. Uh, but it honestly, like, yeah, that brings me comfort to know, like, well. I never had any control over this. Yes. And so nothing, oh my God. It's a surrender. It, right? It's a it, surrender. Everything has changed around me, but at the same time, nothing has changed. Like I have never had control and now I don't have any control still. Yeah, so like- my, my, per- my perception <laughs> of reality has changed, but that's, um, yeah, not, not that's it. Like things have changed, obviously, sure. but 
everything you're saying, it makes so much sense. Right. And I think that's also like what happens in relationships to you. And like, I think about this sometimes when I think about Peter is like, I cannot control whether or not Peter hurts me, whether or not Peter leaves me. Right. Like, and it's actually comforting for me to know that because then I can, I can give myself more grace to say like, I can't control that. So I can stop trying to, right? Like, oh my God. I can only show up in my relationship in a way that feels good for me. That is supportive of him when I can be, but I can't, I can't make him love me. I can't make him stay with me. I just have to trust that he's going to make those decisions for himself. Right. That is so powerful. And can you, to close the check and topic, can you say that to, to Holly, like in, in terms of like outside of your relationship and in like, like translate that into her situation right now. Yeah. Which I'm so Holly, I think it felt like you were doing all of the right things and you were, connecting with this person in exactly the right way that would then unlock this ability to control the relationship, to uh, make sure that he loves you and make sure, yeah. make sure that he stays with you. And what is yeah. happening now is that you are confronted with the fact that you never had any control over that, right? You, and I don't want to say like, okay, so then everyone be an asshole because like none of us can control. Like that's not what I'm saying <laughs> yeah, at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what I'm saying is that like we can show up and and try and do things to uh, support our partner, to be a good partner, right? Those are all things that we have control over, but we have absolutely no control over whether or not our partners love us, want to be with us, uh, or will leave us, honestly. Well, because for me, it's, the, <laughs> the anxiety autonomous is being... Humans. Yeah. I am relieved now of the pressure to be perfect. Um, because even if I was perfect, the result wouldn't be guaranteed to me. Um, and that's the same thing. We'll wrap it up talking about the global pandemic is that right now we are all doing the best that we can. Um, and you know, the effort, any effort that we could put in, um, to, I don't know, like keeping things, I don't know. Help me out. Keeping things like together or. Yeah. I mean, for me, the biggest moment was like, I can do smart things to prevent myself from getting the virus, but at the end of the day, I have no control over it. Right. And Mm. that was like a freeing thing for me because I was putting so much anxiety and like, I can't get sick. I can't get sick. And like, the reality is I could like, I can get sick. Like I might get sick. Right. Mm -hmm. And I can still wash my hands and socially distance and like all of the things that are going to like act as prevention. But at the end of the day, I can release myself from the burden of trying to not, or of like, of if I get sick, then therefore it's my fault. Right. And I think that is what the, what is freeing about it is that suddenly the blame goes away. Yeah. Um, You can still be smart about the decisions that you make in relationships in getting this disease in like all of the things that we talk about. And also at the end of the day, we have no control over the outcome. Right. Right. And Holly, one last thing is give your space yourself time and space to grieve. You lost something. Mm -hmm. It's a breakup because something was broken. Right. And you need time and space to heal. You cannot heal that by necessarily returning to the thing that broke you mm-hmm. and you need to get grant yourself space, time, boundaries, self-love that allows you to flourish and heal in the ways that are necessary right now. That's, That's right. how you get over fucking love. And, and, and for me, it's like, I'm going to acknowledge that I'm sad about the things that I'm missing out on right now, but I'm going to 
redirect my energy into things that I can do. What can I control right now? Um, uh, this happened and I need to move forward. That's my mantra this week. Okay, Holly, thanks for writing and thanks for letting us use your heartbreak as a metaphor for the fucking world suffering right now. <laughs> yeah, sorry we did that to you. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's get into our first letter. 48,000 minutes into this episode. I'm reading the first letter. Yes, yes, you are. <laughs> okay. I'm ready. I'm just okay, saying, great. like, I'm ready to get into okay, this great. first letter. You just, like, pulled the piece of paper up. I thought you were going to get going. Okay, but... No, I'm reading along. Great. I will do it. I will do it. Okay. So this letter comes from Lola, I need a dollar, who is writing from outer space. I love that. And Lola writes, hello, you lovely people. First, thank you for all of the head and heart work. Listening to you is so healing. My question has to do with how to handle people around you, not necessarily significant others, but also friends or family who have a completely different approach to money as you. I am a 26-year-old student and currently financially dependent on my parents. I know that this is a huge privilege, and I am forever grateful for that. I do not have a lot of money, but I would describe myself as a generous person. I grew up very poor, but my parents taught me to be generous with people who are important to me. For example, to cook for them or to pay for a small meal or invite them to see a movie every now and then. I grew up with the assumption that this has a lot to do with being polite, and that is a way of showing your loved ones that you value them. I have a friendship that works perfectly in relation to that. We both do not have a lot of money and are generous. Like uh, I pay for you because you are broke right now. And I, and it would never ever come up again because either my friend would pay the next time or we just leave it like that. For me, it has a lot to do with trust. And we both know that we would never take advantage of the other one who is paying for this reason. Money is never really an issue we have to talk about. I know being generous is my decision and it's voluntary, but I find the quality of being generous very important and I pay attention to it when I meet new people. However, I now feel that it has become too much of a deal breaker for me. I often tend to get angry in certain situations. For example, when someone wants to split the bill after grocery shopping and I owe them $11.15 and they refuse to take anything other than exactly this certain amount of money. Am I wrong in being offended by that or finding it petty? If not, how can I approach this topic to someone who, without offending them? I feel like everyone should be able to handle their money in the ways they want to. But in situations like this, I think the person is acting very stingy, especially when they have a lot more money than I do. This is especially hard when it comes to dating. I am seeing a guy for already six months and his approach to money is so different from mine. He's got a good job. And since we started dating, there was not one single time where one of us paid a bill entirely and we just left it like that. I tried to do it, but he insisted on giving me his share. Yesterday, we went to get some pizza and he actually wanted to pay for mine too. I was really grateful for that because I hoped that I'll return the favor and we wouldn't behave so stiff anymore when it comes to the question of who is paying. As we walked out of the restaurant, I genuinely thanked him and he said something like, well, okay, I paid for your pizza because it was only like $7. I felt so cheap and what would, wondered what would have happened if my pizza was e like 8 or even $9. Ugh, I find it so petty-minded, stiff and exhausting, and I am disappointed and don't feel very loved when it comes to behavior like this. Can you guys share your experience with this? I know I already talked about money in relation of moving together, but I think this is more general and very important. Lots of love, Lola. Thank you so much for writing, Lola. I thought that this was such a good topic um, and such a unique thing because I, I, I kind of relate to it, but I also, I'm like excited to give advice. Um, do you, so first, Sam, do you, which, where are you on the spectrum of money? Like uh, a, a spectrum of 
Uh, how do you deal with sharing things like that? Like, are you uh, more like Lola or are you more like her boyfriend? It depends on how much money is in my bank account. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, which I think really is, is part of what I think that I'm going to talk about with you, Lola. Um, but like, it depends on, it literally depends on how much money I have. So like, yeah. if it's, if I'm like, just got paid feeling flush with cash, then like, sure. If we want to split the bill evenly and I ordered a salad and you ordered a steak and then like, cool, whatever. Like I would rather you get what you want and like, just have a nice yeah. evening. Right. Yeah. But if it comes down to like, Oh, we're all ordering pizza and, or, and I'm being fit with a hundred dollar uh, pizza bill because there are four people here, then I'm going to be like, okay, so everyone needs to Venmo me this money because like, <laughs> yeah. because I like, I need to figure out how I'm going to make it to Friday without having to draw into my savings or like whatever it is. So um, totally. it really, like for me, it really depends. I think for the most part, I probably err on like, let's just call it. it. And I would also yeah. like never be petty about like 15 Pennies. cents. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Like if you were like, if it was eleven fifteen and you, gave me $11, I'd be like, cool. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, so for me, I'm a lot like Lola, uh, in that I like to be generous with my money. And I also like to be generous with money, even when I don't have it. <laughs> <laughs> but that is actually like a sign of my codependency that I really want to sh- be able to like nurture people. I want to be able to take care of them. I want them to feel loved by me. And I often overextend myself doing that emotionally, physically, and financially. Um, (laughs) I've gotten a lot better at that. And I have, and it's actually been really empowering to think, to, to learn that that is a sign of, um, of that, of that need, you know, like that, that fear in me that I'm not good enough. So I need to like take care of them through other means. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not sure if Lola is experiencing that, but I thought maybe she she might relate to that, but, uh, she, I, I definitely relate to, or if not per- fully per- personally, I know that a lot of people who grew up, um, say, in poverty or in really low-income households were raised to, to see financial generosity as, like, a huge act of love. I think for I sure. did. Like, that's why I have, like, a secret fetish for gift-giving. Like, it's not my love language, but it makes me feel special as hell because my family wasn't... We were pretty poor when I was growing up, and... So to get a gift randomly was like, oh, my God, you know, Mm -hmm. like um, really unusual. So um, I want to bring that up because, Lola, you everything you're experiencing here is like valid and okay, But you just need to remember that reality and the way reality is a subjective experience. Number one, like everyone's reality is different. Yep. And that extends to our financial edification, our, our childhood financial experiences and our, our current money things. Like sure. Your boyfriend might have uh, a more well-paying job than you right now, but he also might have debt that you don't know about. He also might have like a financial experience from when he was younger um, that makes him feel more like a sense of scarcity mm-hmm. um, than abundance. And he also just might ha- not have grown up with the same sense of fine, liberal financial generosity that you did. Right. Um, 
all of your experiences are valid. Like I, I, I relate to this letter a lot. Like I, I would rather not talk about money and just split it halfway. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Instead of admitting, you know what? I could really use that $11 that you, you know, or whatever. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think that's exactly what I would say too, is like, um, yeah, you don't know any person's financial situation, right? Like you don't know any person's entire experience. Right. And so, mm-hmm. um, it's on us. And not only that, their, their, their realities are different. Like your sure. understanding of reality is different. Continue. Right. I'm sorry. No. And so it's, it's up to us to learn how to flex, to be able to accommodate people in ways that don't require us to like break who we are or undermine our values in some way. Right. Um, but but that also are like, okay, I don't know why this person is feeling so uptight about this 15 cents and I probably never will know. So right. is it worth it for me to stand up for, for this 15 cents or can I just say, here you go, here's the 15 cents that you demand, right? Yeah. Like, and I think that that is important to recognize is that you don't know why that 15 cents is important. You don't know why your boyfriend doesn't want to spend a lot of money on food or spend money on you, right? Like there are a multitude of different reasons and you can ask them about that. Like you can have yeah. a conversation for sure. But I think it's important for us to move through this world, understanding that we will never fully know anyone else's experience. And so it's not for us to put our own experience on them yeah. and make judgments think, because of that. Do you think this comes down to love languages? I think a like little bit is, for sure. Yeah. I I think it, I, I think it does a lot and then and then some more <laughs> like something else because i wrote down like does does generosity equal like more loving you know is that mm-hmm. and and some people would say yes oh my god people who are generous with their their finances they're so loving like that's so generous and loving of them but other people would say like people who are generous with their time and their resources Oh my God, that's so loving of them. But mm-hmm. it, I like, I agree with those sentiments, you know, mm-hmm. but I also have to question myself and say, well, is somebody who is unable to be generous with their financial resources, does that make them a not loving person? Right. Uh, no, <laughs> no, it doesn't. I, and, and I have to combat that in my own self, like just because I can't pay for my friend's um, meals all the time, or just because I can't like fly Sam anywhere in the world with me mm-hmm. doesn't mean I am not loving towards him or it's, it's not right. a lacking thing. Um, and I think I just wanted to like, you know, muse about that a little Lola, because again, I relate to you and your sentiments and I find the penny splitting. I, that is a turnoff for me, mm-hmm. but I want to like, I want to muse about this with you to maybe expand your understanding, but also give you the opportunity to say like, this is just um, a preference. Like I like financially generous people or an an ex of mine used to like, he would much rather like if he was on a road trip with a buddy, he would much rather just like see who volunteers to pay for gas first and have that be the tracking system than have it be like something very, um, clinical and, and stiff. Like he'd rather just be like, I've got it this time, trusting that the next friend gets it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, like, and I really liked that about him. It's, I didn't like that he could like financially provide for me. I liked that he didn't center money around his experiences. 
Mm. But like Sam and I, but like, that was a preference of mine. I, I, I enjoy that. Real talk though, Willow has a, a very intense budget and is very money-minded and is very frugal. Um, and that has been something that I've had to adjust to, but keeping in mind that we all have different understandings of money and that she shows me her love in so many different ways. Right. Um, it just might be about compatibility too. Mm-hmm. Eh? I think so. Um, yeah, because everyone has their own reason for, for how liberally or how conservatively they spend money. And right. I also don't think like. I also don't think it is necessarily, like you said, a reflection of who they are as people, right? It's a reflection of their experiences and their priorities and their values, but not being, not being generous in the way that you define generosity doesn't mean that they're not generous Mm, or loving. I love that. I love that. Right. Because they might be, your boyfriend might be generous in other ways. Like he might be very giving and supportive of his family and like doing things for his parents when they need help. Right. Like that's also a form of generosity, but for whatever reason, money is something that 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 gives him anxiety or that he doesn't want to to be generous yeah. with that money. And, and that's totally fine. And why I bring up preferences, too, is because, like, you're not like a you're not like money hungry. <laughs> you know, you're not like mm-hmm. a, a, a gold digger. If you want someone if this just is a turn off for you, it is important to do the head and heart work to reflect on, like, well, my version of generosity is not everyone's, you know, my understanding of money isn't everyone, but like, and I am pushing you to think that way. But also at the end of the day, if you just don't vibe with your boyfriend and the way he like exists in the world, then that's okay too. Right. For sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, it can be a deal breaker for sure. Yeah. Like I'm not saying yeah. that that's not real, but it's also important in this as in so many other things to also question ourselves to say, like, why is this a deal breaker for me? Yeah. Is there a way that I can understand this differently that is more encompassing of people's experiences of their values that might not necessarily um, be exactly the same as mine, but are also equally valid and equally important? Right. Right. So how can I find ways that my boyfriend is generous in other ways besides buying me dinner, right? How can I how can I seek out that quality that I want out of people and understand it differently based on people's values and experiences? Mm. So he might be, like I said, he might be generous in other ways. So are there ways that you can find that generosity and focus on that instead of just focusing on the one way that you have defined generosity, which is money related, right? Yeah. And is there a way that you can reach a higher level of vulnerability by saying maybe like, I can't afford to go out to eat right now. Like Mm -hmm. if you want to go out to eat with me, like I'd I'll have to ask you to pay, but we can find other ways to spend time together. If you're not comfortable covering my meal or whatever, Um, there, there is an opportunity for a, a deeper level of vulnerability by opening yourself up to say like, I don't make as much money as you do or whatever. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I love that question. Thank you so much for writing Lola. I need a dollar. Um, I need a dollar. You know that song? Okay. Uh, (laughs) Now. Okay. Well, we hope this helps so much. uh, Lola. Uh, Thanks for writing. We love you. We love you. 
Y'all, as a self-employed person, as a mom of a toddler, I am always struggling with finding time to manage my finances. At the end of a busy week, the last thing I want to do is spend time budgeting all of my expenses or tracking down customer service teams to cancel old subscriptions I no longer use. But now I use Rocket Money and it does all of that for me. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. With Rocket Money, you have full control over your subscriptions and a clear view of your expenses. You can see all your subscriptions in one place. And if you see something you don't want, Rocket Money can help cancel it with a few taps. I love how the dashboard shows me this month's spending compared to last month, so I can clearly see my spending habits and check myself if needed. Plus, they'll help me create a custom budget and keep my spending on track. Rocket Money will even help try to negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. They'll deal with customer service for you, which I obviously love as a somewhat introverted, conflict-avoidant person. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Rocket Money has over 5 million subscribers and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash just break up. That's rocketmoney.com slash just break up. Rocketmoney.com slash just break up. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets, sweaters, and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune, and luckily I found Quince. Now I've got a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year. Quince has things like premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14-karat gold jewelry, and so much more. And the best part is that all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. This past month, I treated myself to a pair of new slippers because I'm in that hashtag mom life era of my life um, in which (laughs) um, I am never not in slippers. And these are 100% Australian shearling lined clog slippers. And I love that they're slip on, but they have those durable rubber outsoles. They're super cushy, super comfortable, but I feel like I can run outside to like take the trash out in them while also like staying warm and active in the house. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash just break up for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash just break up to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash just break up. All right. Our second letter in this um, episode is written by Bound to the Boundary List, who is writing to us from New York. Hi, Sam and Sierra. I've been seeing my boyfriend for a relatively short time, but he has been my close friend for several years, which has allowed us to skip some steps in our relationship. The overall relationship is incredible. 
He is a kind, generous, and I am beyond grateful to keep learning and growing with him. However, I've been struggling with some issues related to his inability to assert boundaries and his codependent tendencies. For background, he has experienced a significant amount of trauma in his life and has often been placed in a caregiving role, sometimes at his choice and other times somewhat forced into it due to the situation. He often runs himself ragged to maintain friendships, and I don't find that many of the people do the same for him. He rarely says no to anyone, whether it is to offer assistance or to make plans or to do a favor. Since we've been dating, I've gotten a new perspective on this, and I've noticed that it leads him to extreme sleep issues, um, being pressured into situations he does not have time slash emotional bandwidth for and not being compensated for his time, labor, and gas for the services that he could otherwise be paid to do. I myself have a tendency to overstep and get involved in situations that are not my business. So while I have been offering a guiding hand, I've done my best to not offer my holier than thou opinion, although I've fallen short several times. However, his inability to hold and maintain boundaries has led to some serious issues between us as he does not outright turn down the advances of other women. It started with a neighbor of his who is friends with his roommates and they had some kind of flirtation before we got together. I wrote this off as a misunderstanding for her not realizing how serious we were at the time because I lived in a different city and we got together relatively quickly and exercised some of my newly developed patience as she continuously texted my boyfriend late at night asking him to come over or would be in his house when he got home. I got to a breaking point and told him that he needed to handle the situation because this has now pressed on for two months and this was getting fucking ridiculous. This, the next time she made an advance at him, which this time was her saying that if he wanted to come upstairs, then quote, no one would ever have to know. He told her that if she couldn't respect our relationship, then he couldn't spend time with her anymore. I was proud of him because of, from his upbringing, I recognize how difficult it is for him to tell people no. Then I came over a couple weeks later and met her for the first time as she walked into his house while we were all in the kitchen and she would not make direct eye contact with me and then proceeded to talk loudly to his roommates about some new romantic prospect for her. Honestly, the whole situation was completely absurd and it did not make me feel like he has handled the situation appropriately as this girl still felt secure enough to come into his home and try to make him and me feel jealous. I wish this was the only occasion that this occurred. There have been multiple instances that friends and exes of his friends flirted with him at parties to make him uh, his own friends jealous. A girl that he let share a private bathroom with him where she took off all her clothes and prepositioned him and allowing many of his female friends to treat him as what I refer to as a, quote, surrogate boyfriend. My absolute breaking point was a couple days before my birthday this year. He tells me that a girl who is friends with his friend was stroking his arm during the entire time he was telling a group about his recent trip to visit our families in California and that at the end of the night, she he let her drive him home. I'm extremely secure that my boyfriend would never physically cheat on me. But the, at the length at which he lets other women disrespect our relationship has left me frustrated to no end. Sometimes I feel like he values everyone seeing him as a good person more than he values me seeing him that way. This led to a screaming match after I got drunk on my birthday and making me extremely jealous when I do not normally categorize myself this way. 
He's insisted since my birthday that he finally understands how frustrated I am and that he needs to be more firm in holding boundaries in, other, with, in place with other women. I eventually suggested to him that we go to monthly couples therapy to work on this, especially since we've just started dated, dating and there's so much time to correct these patterns as well as many others that I am not seeing or he struggled to articulate to me because of his codependency issues. Initially, he was willing or, and even excited to find something that would give me comfort to this situation and agreed. I told him, uh, uh, I told several of my friends and my own therapist about our conversation and about him agreeing to seek additional help with me. Everyone on my end was super excited and not judgmental at all. Then this week, he tells me that he talked to several of his best friends in long-term partner relationships and his therapist, and they've recommended him not to go. They feel it's too early in our relationship to go to couples therapy, and his therapist even screamed at him not to. Honestly, I have more issues with this therapist beyond this, but this definitely did not help. I, to me, this feels like more of the same problem because as he's breaking this news to me, it sounded like, quote, I've discussed this with the closest people in my life and they feel like it's a bad idea. So if you really want me to, I will, but I need you to know this. I'm just beyond frustrated to have finally found some sense of relief in this situation um, to have, and then to have it taken from me. And now I can't help but feel uncomfortable around his friends who've expressed this, even if that's not fair or valid. It makes it feel like he has not portrayed what a toll this has taken on me and that he does not have the ability to discern his own feelings on a situation himself, but will instead throw them in the line of fire rather than potentially upsetting me himself. He is a good, true love, and I do believe that in this short time we've been together, he's done some significant work on his boundaries for both my sake and our own. I know that it will take time to undo a nearly lifetime of trauma and it cannot t happen on my timeline. It's not that I don't believe he is trying or that I think he will handle this correctly because I do think that in the future he will, but I am concerned that these codependency issues will continue to present itself time and time again until the root of it is addressed. If it's not women flirting with him and him valuing his friend's opinions more than his or mine, I feel that it will be something else. An idea that I wanted to bring up in couples therapy was him attending Codependence Anonymous, Anonymous to see if this was the root of the issue as I suspect it is. A friend of mine attends these meetings and has been providing me resources on how to handle a loved one with codependency issues and I'm feeling extremely connected to the material. I feel like if he doesn't want to attend couples therapy anymore, then maybe asking him to go to some of these sessions might be a good alternative. I want to make sure that I'm not taking away from my own 2020 goal of minding my own fucking business, letting people work on their mental health themselves and not trying to control everyone else's process. But I'm really struggling and I'm sure unsure of how to handle this. I'm hoping that you ha answered this letter or one that's similar so I can find some more tools to handle a loved one who has turned to codependency to handle trauma and how I can approach it more delicately and with more love. Thank you for reading this and I wish you both the absolute best. All right. Bound to the boundary list. Thank you so much for writing. What do we want to call her? Bound? Bound. Bound. Cool. Um... Yeah. So this is a lot. 
<laughs> it's not a lot. It's just, it's just, I think there are a lot of, um, we even cut the letter down a little. Th- sorry about that bound, but just to make it a little bit more compact. But there are a lot of issues, you know, there are a lot of nuances in here that we need to be able to give our, you know, unprofessional, like outsider point of view. For sure. Um, one of the things that I cut that I kind of regret as I was reading the letter is that um, Bound also wrote that she believes that her partner um, tends to absorb the opinions of others and reshare those in discussion instead of sharing his own based on the advice that he gets from others. I just wanted mm-hmm. to add that because I think that's an important observation about Bound's um, boyfriend and his and his personality. For sure. Um, or her so perception. I can- yeah, absolutely. Um, so I can talk a little bit about my own experience in this, um, where I have also, um, I am also married to a man who is like the nicest, kindest person in mm. the world. Um, and, uh, tends to be sort of a go with the flow type of person. Right. And, and concedes to others to say, uh, what would you like to do? Or like, what do you think about this? Right. Um, and when we started dating and particularly when we moved in together, it was a really big challenge for me because I kept thinking he wasn't telling me his opinion. <laughs> like mm. when I would be like, um, you know, what do you think about, uh, buying this, uh, couch or like this chair? Right. And he'd be like, cool, I think that's good. And I was like, do you think it's good? Or are you just agreeing with me? Cause you don't want conflict. Right. Great. Example. Um, and it was a, it was really, it was really challenging for me because the narrative that I had told myself was that like, he was secretly harboring some opinion that he was going to resent me for the rest of his life because I wasn't doing a good enough job to like ask him about what he wanted. Um, and the reality is, is that Peter is just a real go with the flow type person. Like he loves when I narrow things down to three options and then present them to him. And then if he picks one and I'm like, actually like this one better, he's sort of like, cool. <laughs> right. Like, yes. Oh my God. Will is the same way. No. And it's not, and it's not that he isn't, um, it's not that he doesn't have opinions cause he has opinions about a lot of different things. It's just that he is more of a sailboat than he is a speedboat. Right. So mm. he is more like, I'm going to just go where the wind takes me. I am really comfortable just sort of relaxing, moving slowly. Um, And I, in some ways, am a speedboat. Like I have opinions and I'm like, we're going to get to this destination, right? But it took for me to understand and develop trust with him to say like, I trust that if you have a strong opinion about this, you will tell me, right? And I've actually said that to him multiple times. It's like, I'm trusting that like, if you really don't like something I'm doing, or if you really don't like this decision that I've made that you will tell me, and he has told me every single time, absolutely, I would do that. Right. And so that has helped us helped me figure out that sometimes the narrative that I was telling myself about him and his decisions was not true. It was reflective of my own narrative, my own feelings of needing to control everything and just assuming that that's how he operated in the world too. But the reality is, is that he was so much more go with the flow and it took me changing that narrative in my head about him and his opinions and his values that let us get to a point where now we are so much healthier about the way that we interact about important decisions in our relationship. So, yeah. Yeah. I would, yeah, go for it. Well, well, before we jump into her, I want to share like my personal connection to this letter because it's from a, it's from a more unhealthy point of view. Um, (laughs) like, or it's from a, from a toxic relationship, whereas you and Peter have a, 
healthy one so we can mash them together to make like a Frankenstein cool, example. I love that. Um, so my relationship or like my connection to this letter bound is that I relate to it because I did date a cheater who was like, um, who had terrible boundaries, um, who, uh, who had a tr- trouble with people pleasing and who also was like mm-hmm. probably a sex addict, <laughs> which Maybe is just not, a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Which is, which is, which is not, um, your partner's, um, cross to bear, but, uh, Definitely, we struck when we were trying to like rebuild after periods of infidelity. Um, I became similarly, I shouldered all of the pressure to make sure he was quote unquote mentally healthy or like mm. defending himself or defending our relationship. And that was a lot of fucking pressure for me to carry. And it, it, like all of my hurt and anxiety about him hurting me or like him hurting himself. I manifested in some pretty obsessive, um, I would say unhealthy, like um, monitoring of his behavior because Mm -hmm. I felt like I could not trust him to make healthy decisions for himself, protect himself and protect me and my relationship. I just, I like, so then I'm like, oh my God, all of these little interactions that he's having are, are, little microcosms of the bigger problem, which is that like, uh, you know, his dad was a drunk and he feels like he needs to like make everyone happy. You know what I mean? Um, right. Like, yep. like I diagnosed all of his behavior and now years out of that relationship, I look back and I think, well, I was just looking for control in an anxious situation. Yep. I also was, um, not letting him be his true and authentic self because I didn't like that person. I didn't like, like that's like the harshest, most cruel thing I can say about myself is that I didn't like his, his personality. I didn't like, um, I loved him, but I didn't like the way he acted Mm -hmm. and I was trying to control it. Um, and so I, okay. So, and so bound before we jump into you and not your partner, because this is what that letter, this letter is about. Mm -hmm. Um, truly, um, and your 2020 goal, we want to say, yes, you know, the nuances of your relationship better than we do. We're two strangers talking on FaceTime right now. Um, (laughs) like, like, you know, the intimate details of how he got into that bathroom with that girl or how, you know, how these things are going on the way that we don't, but so, so give yourself that, those, that credit. But Sam and I are going to give you some tough love right now because it does seem like you are reneging on your 2020 goal and you're diagnosing your boyfriend with all of these things and you're, and you're not self-reflecting on your, on your behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, or on your expectations of how other people yes, behave. I'm glad you said that because behavior felt wrong because it, it's like you're not, I, I don't, I don't want you to feel like, oh my God, I'm a terrible person. I've done a bunch of things wrong. It's more just like, um, it's, it, this situation you've gotten to in your relationship, this is not a normal, healthy, um, dynamic in a relationship, especially one so young. I would, do you agree? For sure. I mean, I think it's probably actually a normal dynamic in a lot of relationships. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Actually, that's great. I'm glad you said that because like, again, bound, no shame, I have been here. I, I literally just said that I didn't like my boyfriend's personality. <laughs> the one that Which, I was desperately trying to keep um, 
from cheating on me. <laughs> right. But I also think that that's an important thing to say because it's an important realization to have, right? Like right. you realize that you weren't actually in love with the person you were in a relationship with, you were in love with the person you were trying to make them into. Yeah. I right? was in love like, with the potential that I had made up in my mind. Right. For sure. Like, um, yeah. Uh, so yes. Um, um, go ahead. Yeah. So I think, I think like tough love time, here we go. Um, some things that I, that, that concern me about how you are, um, viewing your boyfriend and his relationship. Um, I think one is that you are expecting him to control other people's behaviors, um, which I think is an unreasonable expectation to have of someone, right? Yes. And you told the story about the friend, the roommate, or the the former... Friend the, of the roommate. Friend of the roommate with the flirtatious relationship. And guess what? When you said, this makes me uncomfortable, he texted that person and said... I can't be, can't keep doing this with you because I am in a relationship now, right? Like he established that boundary. You can't then hold him accountable for the fact that that girl came into the apartment. This friend of his roommates came into the apartment and did weird, shitty behavior, which we could like but, hold account her accountable for. But yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You, he has no control over, over her, this shared space that they have and what she says about him. Right. Like, and I think that, um, I think that holding him to that standard is an unrealistic one, right? He established the boundary and has maintained it in the best way that he can, given the circumstances. And instead of seeing that, you are instead trying to hold him to a different boundary that he might not be comfortable setting, right? Like yeah. he, is, he is the one that's in charge of that. And if he doesn't do that, you can break up with him for sure. If you want yeah. to hold him to that expectation. But I'm going to tell you that holding people to that expectation is not going to go well for you in the future. Yeah, yeah. And also, like, thinking about going back to the what we were talking about at the very beginning of the episode, that we have, like, literally no control. <laughs> and uh-huh. that, like, a desire to... You might not feel like you're trying to control them, um, mm-hmm. but it sounds like you do recognize in yourself um, a pattern of overstepping. And I just want to say, like, I relate to that so wholeheartedly. Like, my whole body relates to that. I have anxiety. Like, when me and my partners argue and they talk to their friends about it, I have extreme anxiety that that is very difficult for me. And it's embarrassing to even admit that because like my boyfriend or my girlfriend or whoever have a right to talk to their friends about their lives. And Mm -hmm. just because I cannot control what they're saying or Mm -hmm. because I cannot control what their friends will say about me um, doesn't mean I should take away that right. And it, and it gives me a lot of anxiety. I'm, I'm afraid when that, like I, I, it, it triggers something in me. Right. For sure. Um, but what I wanted to bring up is that like to continue about what you were saying about the, the roommate's friend, first of all, that just sucks. I'm sorry that that person who had a flirtatious thing with them is still friends with your boyfriend's roommate. Yeah. But for sure. there are some things in life that we cannot control and, or are, are, unreasonable of us of us to ask to control you can't ask your boyfriend to ask his roommate to not be friends with this girl anymore you can you can go to the extremes of saying okay if this girl comes over you need to leave the room but to me that is a red flag um of not acknowledging what your boyfriend is and is not control of and the other thing is if your boyfriend is truly struggling with like people pleasing, let's call it, you know, with is fierce conflict, right? 
the fact that he cannot control the girl from coming in and out of his house, like because he maybe doesn't feel comfortable asking his roommate not to be friends with her anymore. And you then are putting the pressure of that on him. That, that man is being pulled in a lot of different directions right now. He's feeling Mm -hmm. like if I've been in that position, it's like, Oh my God, what do I do? Like, I can't make everyone happy. And again, I know that this letter is about addressing that need in him, but you cannot address that on your, like, that is not your job to address. Your job to address is why you feel such great abandonment by the fact that he is not turning off the whole world for you, you know? Exactly. And I think that is the, the big thing here, um, that, that, that sparks so many, um, red flags for me, right. Is that I think that this expectation that, that your boyfriend turn off the rest of his life for you. Right. And I, and I, that's a really intense way of saying that, but I think some of the things that you're, that you're bringing up about his issues with codependency are more, are more about you expressing frustration with the fact that he is giving more of himself to other people than he is giving to you, right? Mm -hmm. That he is, he is listening to his good friends and his therapist over you, right? But who else, who better to give him advice on how to handle the situation than his old best friends and his therapist? Like who Mm -hmm. knows him better, right? And I think, I think you are trying to have a certain level of control over him, his decision-making, how much of himself he gives to other people, um, that in turn makes me think that you and he might benefit from some codependency counseling, right? Right, right. And Separately. not together, maybe. Separately, right? So I think some. I think what you are identifying in him are some things that are actually happening with you as well, right? Like you are trying to control his behavior. You are trying to control his relationships with other people so that they fit and reflect what you want from him. Right. And that is what codependency is, right? Like wanting to control our partner's emotions, wanting to control how much they give of of themselves to other people, um, defining ourselves and the health of our relationship by that. Uh, and so I would say like, it might be time to turn that really discerning eye that you have that really strong intuition that you have displayed through this letter and turn it back on yourself and ask yourself like, what behaviors am I bringing into this that are, that are troublesome? Like, why am I so hung up on him, his behaviors, his relationships, who he's talking to when that is something that I have absolutely no control over? Yeah. I want to, um, I want to talk about a couple of things. Um, and I don't want to forget, I want to talk about like the acceptance of your partner as is, um, Mm -hmm. uh, and how that can be really challenging for us, like continuing on how you started this, this letter. Um, uh, and I want to talk about the word control and like what that means in different contexts. But I, but first, can you tell me, because I, I trust you inherently (laughs) and think you are inherently wise and smarter than I am, but I don't actually relate to codependency the way you said about control. Oh, oh my God. It, it just hit me. <laughs> it's so, that's so funny because I was like, I don't relate to this. I'm codependent and I don't have control issues. Wait a minute. <laughs> that's, and so like, so, so, uh, bound, if you just experienced what I experienced, which is like, I, my code, like, I'm not kind of control people or like, I'm not codependent because codependent means that you define yourself by other people. But for me, my codependency has manifested 
in control issues because how do I know I'm worth something? How do I know my partner doesn't love? Uh, how does my? How do I know my partner loves me? And how can I define myself if not by controlling? Like if not by uh, maneuvering my relationship to give me all of the af- affirmations that I need all the time. Right. Does that make sense? Yep. Um, so I don't, th- I, uh, the only thing I would add or like as an addendum to what you said is that like, I don't think a codependent relationship inherently manifests in control issues. I think for me personally, um, my codependency has manifested control issues coupled with my anxiety, coupled with my insecurity. You know what I mean? Like it is, it is a symptom of it and not necessarily always there, you know? Um, I I mean, I think it depends on like how you define control. Like, yeah. Are you exerting that control or is the lack of control giving you anxiety? Right. Like I Mm. think that codependency really is about control. Control. Yeah. I need to control the situation enough so that I, so that nothing goes wrong and I am not, um, belittled by the love that my partner can't give me right and so, so like i, w- I want to re- really quickly i want to like uh like mash this into the other topic of talking about control because when we use that word the, con- the c word about relationships we often think about controlling assholes you know like mm-hmm. don't wear this you don't talk to this person da-da-da-da-da-da. like we we think of it i think of it as like a caricature of that thing But it can be so much more. And that's what you were just saying is that like, let's talk about me bound, like, like Sierra. Um, I, I am not controlling in that. I don't tell Willow what to wear. I don't tell her that she can't talk to people, but Mm -hmm. I would feel anxious if she was like, um, uh, you know, if she was out in the world and people were flirting with her um, and I would want her to not return to that Space. I would want that of her instead, yep. instead of feeling secure in my attachment to her and mm-hmm. saying, I trust my partner out in the world. And, and I know I can't control anything, you know, like there, I can't control her. She's on t- autonomous. Um, but I also trust her to come back to me. She can go into those flirtatious spaces and come back. Like that's the level of, that's the type of control we're talking about. Right. For sure. Yep. And also like, Part of that is recognizing that, like, even if Willow goes out in the world and cheats on you, that is on Willow. It is not a reflection of how well you loved her, right? Like, yes, it and is how, not a reflection how well on, like, you, how like, worthy under- of love you are. And how well you understood their trauma and, like, helped them right. navigate it. You know what I mean? Uh, yep. Like, with my ex that I was talking about earlier, I felt so responsible for his wellness because I he was treating me so poorly. So obviously that was a reflection on how I was loving him and not how fucking unhealthy he was. (laughs) Damn. I just had a breakthrough. Ah! (laughs) Uh, Good. I'm glad. Uh, uh, One thing I want to also get, okay. Thanks for like talking about that with me. Cause the first I was like, I'm not controlling. And then I had a breakdown. (laughs) Listen, we are all controlling, right? Like we are all, that's, that is the human experience is like trying to control things so that we don't get hurt. Oh my God. It's like, it is ingrained in us. It is biological, right? So like, it is all we need to recognize the coronavirus, that we are, <laughs> right? Um, so how are we doing? How are we addressing that need for control in a way that is healthy for us and for our loved ones, right? Um, I also want to. Um, yeah. I want to talk about um, uh, like an, another thing that's kind of like um, 
a, a small tangent, but I do think it might like help you moving forward bound is that like, you shared a lot of details about little things that bothered you about him not upholding, I don't know, uh, respecting your relationship by having firmer boundaries um, with people. I want to ask you, because I see myself in you with, with this ex that I'm talking about, like we had a very, we had strict boundaries. So I knew he couldn't hurt me and yet Mm -hmm. he hurt me anyway. And the, (laughs) and the, the expectation of all those boundaries hurt us regardless, because it was like, I was, I was really, I, I was trying to buffer myself from anything bad happening by not letting him talk to certain people, by having him text me at a certain time every day. You know what I mean? Like by proving mm. that we, you know, like, and this is vulnerable me ad- for me to admit this, but it just proves that like, we're always that like I'm infallible too. Like that, that in an, in a toxic relationship, the most toxic parts of me came <clears throat> out. Um, right. But I, but a note that I wrote in terms of like, you know, the text that that girl sent or, or, um, the ride home or whatever. I want to say like, how do you know about all of these circumstances? I want to ask you how you know about all of them, because I don't think it's healthy to always, you're, we're not always meant to know like Mm -hmm. when I I don't want to know every time somebody flirts with Willow because it would, it would trigger my insecurities, therefore triggering my desire to control her environment, right? right? But I'm not going to stop Willow from going to Lowe's because the cashier winked at her, you know, because hashtag lesbian <laughs> joke, you know, <laughs> you know, um, like uh, we, we're not, we're not meant to know all the time. And so yep. if there is a desire to know or to look at his phone or to ask him about every circumstance, I remember asking my ex, like, who was at this party? You know, yep. did the person you cheated on me, was she there as though I could control her through him? Mm-hmm. And I just can't. Exactly. And rant. No. And then I just the last thing that I want to say is that, you know, you've talked about how, um, you know, when you talk to him, he he doesn't have the ability to discern his own feelings or he struggles to articulate them because of, he's so codependent with other people. And I want to challenge you to ask yourself, and this is why I talked to you about uh, my sort of come to Jesus moment with Peter, right? Um, Is he struggling to articulate how he's actually feeling or is he telling you something that you don't want to hear, right? And so it might be that he really values the opinions of his friends and his therapist and that he wants to put those opinions at the center because it makes him feel better because he wants to value the expertise that they have because that is how he shows his love is by like understanding what other people um, like what other people's opinions are and taking those into account in his own decisions. Maybe he's just a go with the flow type of person, right? Maybe he is like Peter, like he just likes to, to be around people, like doesn't think about some things and that, that are very important to me. Um, And so I want to just impress on you. Like you need to be asking yourself that, like, is he just giving you an answer that you don't want to hear or is he actually unable to articulate his feelings? And from from what you've told me about him, I think that he's just telling you things you don't want to hear, which is that he values his yeah. friends, his therapist, that he is going to give a lot of himself always because he's just that type of person um, and that he likes being that person. It is how he defines himself. It is how he understands the world. And if you yeah. don't like that, that's fine. 
But yeah, that, I, but you can't change that within him. It's up to him to change that if it's something that needs to be changed. And also, like, it might not be a thing that he wants to change. And either you either have to be okay with that or you have to say, then we are not for each other. Right? Yes. I I, I want to end, at least on my end, from about... I want to share really quickly, like I was prepping for this episode and Mm -hmm. I, there was just so much to unpack in this letter that I read it to, to Willow. I know this is like the longest episode ever. (laughs) Oh, it's fine. (laughs) I don't care. Uh I missed you. Um, so, but I want to say like something that Willow immediately said was, well, he shouldn't be putting like, she was a little bit more alarmed by some of the examples that sure. Bound said. Um, so I, I want to acknowledge that and just say, like, Sam and I are focusing on you, Bound, because you wrote in. And this is what is apparent to us. I'm not saying that your boyfriend isn't enacting. Um, I'm not saying your boyfriend is treating you to the level to which you need to be treated. And sure. so I'm, I- I'm saying that just because, like, you might just not be compatible period. Like the way he exists in the world, his um, subjective reality might just not be compatible with your subjective reality. And that Mm -hmm. hurts and that sucks. And honestly, this is one of the most painful uh, type of, of relationship incompatibilities because it's so fucking nuanced. And all you want to do is make it work, shove it together until it makes it work. And it just might not be it. Like you might need Willow said something like, well, I would just never be in that situation. She would never be in a bathroom with a naked woman. Right. And I think that's important to say is that like you are allowed to have expectations and boundaries of your partners. Sam and I are just addressing what what we see as the as the most unique thing in this letter is is this is this anxiety, this, this rolling manifesting anxiety that that wants to that that makes it so everything your partner does will not be enough. Right. Right. It, yep. it, 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 he might have codependency issues. He might have pro- problems with like, uh, with upholding boundaries. But what mm-hmm. we want to address is your ability to accept the reality of his boundaries. Right. Right. Yep. That your reality is different than his. Absolutely. And you cannot control what he does and, and, what you cannot establish his boundaries for him, right? Yes. No matter how hard you try, you can't do it. And I would encourage you to to think like maybe those boundaries are not boundaries that he wants to set for whatever reason, healthy or not. Um, And just acknowledge the fact that like, you cannot expect him to share your view of his own reality, right? Yeah. You cannot fully know him and you cannot fully know what is best for him. And so instead, trust that he is making the best decisions that he can in those moments. And if those decisions aren't good enough for you, then you need to take a step away. But I will tell you that every relationship that you will get into, (laughs) the person that you are in that relationship will have a different perspective on their reality, on their relationships than you do. And one of the things that I think why we're trying to give you this tough love is because it's important to learn how to understand that, how to adapt to that and identify those things that are deal breakers and identify those things that are okay for you to let go because everyone is different and everyone has a different perspective on this crazy world that we live in. Yes, I totally agree. And I know that this um, this was a lot of tough love um, and this episode is like 48,000 years long. It's so um, long. But I fucking loved that conversation um, because it it pushed me bound. It pushed me 
in this present moment. I, I am, I'm growing from this conversation. So thank you for writing and thank you for giving us your vulnerability and your honesty. Um, we hope that this helps and we hope that you feel um, loved by us because we love you as we is. do love you. Thanks for writing. All right. Our last letter comes from can't believe I'm going to tell you this, who is <laughs> writing from the void. Dear Sam and Sierra, I've been hesitant to write you this letter because I know I'm going to sound like a terrible person. Still, here goes, because I trust you guys and I think you'll be honest with me. <laughs> of course we will. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the sitch. I'm married with two kids. My husband and I married when we were in our early 20s. We got pregnant and had our first child when I was 19 and we had a shotgun wedding when I was 20. We have been married for 19 years now. We've had some really rough years and some really good years. While we essentially grew up alongside each other for a long time, I've felt very alone in our marriage. Last year, it got particularly bad. It felt impossible to connect. And here comes the clincher. During that time, I became friends with a guy from work. We instantly clicked. I have never felt like that before with anyone. Our humor, work ethic, it was like I was struck by lightning. He felt the same. This was the most amazing friendship I ever had. We were both having a lot of pain in our marriages and soon grew to confide in each other. Texting late into the night and grabbing coffee and lunch together soon turned into a very intense emotional affair that went on for a year. Neither of us wanted to leave our spouses and families for each other for complicated reasons, but we were both longing for connection. We were both so emotionally and physically lonely and we found comfort in each other. But it was more than that. It was really love. Knowing that we were on the same page about not expecting each other to leave our spouses made it feel safe to get close. We ended up sleeping together on a work trip, and it was the most amazing experience for both of us. This was the best sex of my life. I've never felt more emotionally, physically, and physically in tune with anyone. We slept together on two more trips after that. At this point, it began to feel like a real relationship with expectations, and we made the decision to dial it back. He told me he was in love with me, and then three weeks later, he stopped talking to me. Cold turkey. He said he couldn't hurt his family by not being all in with them. I was stunned, devastated, hurt, and felt betrayed. I realized that sounds ironic and laughable, saying I felt betrayed, seeing as I was cheating on my husband. While I understood his not being able to have a physical relationship with me anymore and deciding to quit the affair, the loss of our friendship ripped me apart from the inside. I lost my best friend overnight. The grief was making me physically ill at work. Seeing him at the office was torture. I felt tossed aside. I've never felt, I've never questioned my self-worth like I did in the three months after he cut me off. How could he be so wrapped up in me one day and the next act like I was dead to him? Here comes the second clincher. During this time, I went through some of the darkest days of my life. I was self-medicating with alcohol and sleeping pills and could barely get out of bed. The grief was all-consuming. And somehow toward the end of the three-month period, I started to reconnect with my husband. He was there for me during these depressed months and said things like, I don't know where you've been mentally for the last year, but I'm glad you're coming back to me. We mm. still have our problems, but I'm really making an effort to give this a solid try with him. I do really love him despite having done something so fucked up to him. He doesn't know about the affair, but I think he knows something was off. It is subconscious. We might, he might know. If you haven't written me off as the world's worst point person at this point, please keep reading to hear how it gets even more complicated. After barely speaking with my work guy for three months, we went on a work trip together recently and ended up taking 
Talking through the night on two separate nights, he apologized for cutting me off and we pledged to be friends. Time will tell if I can manage to actually be friends. We slept together on the trip, but it felt different than before. Instead of a passionate affair, it was more like friends with benefits. It was sweet and true. I know this must sound awful. I wish I could explain what we share. In my head, it feels so natural that it's hard to even think of it as cheating. Yes, I can hear myself. Yes, I know there's something wrong with me. My question is this. Do you think it's possible to maintain a marriage that's working up to being a good, true love again, while also having a best friend with benefits who is a different kind of good, true love? Have I gotten in so deep that I'm just seeking to justify my wretched behavior? Why don't I feel more guilt about the affair? Why am I willing to continue risking my marriage for this friendship when I know he could decide to cut me off again tomorrow? Please be gentle with me. I never thought I would be the kind of person who would have done things like this. I feel so empty thinking that I could end up without any good true love at all. Thank you for listening and for the amazing work you're doing. You help more people than you'll ever know. Okay. Oh uh, I love you both. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Yeah. You know, Ooh. the letters that always get me are the letters that in which they talk about like feeling broken or like they're you know, something's wrong with me or, you know, because yeah. I just want you all to know that you're all doing the best that you can and you're not broken and you're not broken if you're in a, a an unhealthy situation and you're not broken if you put yourself in that unhealthy relationship. The type of people, like, can't believe I'm going to tell you this. You said, I never thought I would be the type of person who do this. Let this, let this be a message to all of us that the type of person who does quote unquote bad things is all of us. We mm -hmm. have the capacity to have great joy and pleasure and love and generosity and, and be good quote unquote wholesome people. But we also in the same moment and in the same worthiness, we have the capacity to make decisions we're not proud of. Like this, this is to be a human and there's not good people or bad people. Um, sorry, little rant. Just I just, <laughs> no, there's, there's just people. There's just people. <laughs> um, and, and it's, it's not that we should, um, not put expectations on ourselves to be what we consider good, but we mm -hmm. should put an equal amount of empathy on ourselves that to be a human is confusing and to be a human in relationship with another person or two other people. Fuck. I don't care. It's hard. Mm -hmm. it, it is. We are not naturally perfect people and the, but we are expected to be, oh, we are, sure. we are expected. We were, none of us were born or given even taught taught the tools to have a healthy relationship. Mm -hmm. But we are, we are expected to move around the world as though we have that ingrained in us that we like, like some sort of software when like we're, we're fucking running on empty people. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, yeah. Anyway, let's get to the letter now <laughs> End rant in the 34 year episode. Um, okay. So if it's not already apparent, you're not broken. You're not a sick, terrible person. And Sam and I are really grateful that you trusted us with your honesty and your vulnerability um, because we're really, we're, you know what? We're really lucky to tell you how much we love you anyway and mm -hmm. how much we don't judge you. It is, it's a privilege to host this podcast and tell all of you that you are not broken and you are not unworthy um, and you are not a terrible person, despite 
the choices you made that you might not be proud of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess let's get started. End of the episode. <laughs> Sam just looked at me like, well, what do I say? <laughs> what am I supposed to say to this? Um, well, let's um, get to let's get to their questions. Um, uh, and then we can end on like uplifting. Uh, do you think sure. it's possible to maintain a marriage that's working up to being a good, true love again while also having a best friends with benefits who is a different kind of good, true love? Um, so in your specific situation, can't believe, um, no, like I just hundred so percent, honestly, yes. um, especially because your husband doesn't know about it. Um, and so he's not consenting to this open marriage that you have put him into. Um, and I say that like with love baldly so that, so that we can just call it what it is. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and know that I'm not saying that in a judgmental way. I'm just saying that in a way that that acknowledges the fact of right. what the situation is. Right. Right. Um, he, your husband is is not consenting to this open relationship that you are in with him. Right. Um, and I also, um, yeah, yeah. I'm just nope. That's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> um, so I don't think that you can. I don't think that you can work on your marriage while also maintaining this friends with benefits situation with this man. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I do want to say it is it is possible to be in love with two people at once. It is possible. Sure. But Absolutely. it doesn't sound like it's equal playing field, right? Mm. Like it, you might have love and affection for your husband and you might be in love with this shiny person who may be more compatible with you. Who the fuck knows? You've been with your husband for so long. Um, yep. But it is there. They are not the same good true love and uh, well okay in addition to telling you that you're not broken i also want to tell you you have a right to leave your family leave your husband you have a right to divorce if you are not happy in this relationship the longevity of your relationship should not outweigh your happiness in it and what you felt with your coworker, you have the potential you you deserve to feel with your partner right um but that being said, if you want your relationship to to your marriage to be sustainable, um, you can't be spreading yourself thin between two people, especially as Sam said, which is uh, like non-consensually, because then your husband's showing up to grow and deepen your connection, but you're showing up halfway. He doesn't right. know that, though. You know, yep. he doesn't know that you're putting in half as much as he is right now, I guess. Yep. So... Have uh, I next question. So, yeah, right. Have, Have I gotten I in gotten... so deep that I'm... Oh, we're... Go ahead. Woo-hoo. This is like a great Zoom meeting that we're doing right now. Um... I know. I'm. I'm. I'm my, your, your camera froze while you were answering something and I couldn't hear you. And I, I just like assumed that it was genius. <laughs> uh, Continue. Have I gotten in so deep that I'm seeking to justify my wretched behavior? I think that... I mean, yes and no. Like, I think humans, we yeah. always... We always look to justify our behavior and that's justifiable, <laughs> yeah, right. you know? Um, but I think, I think oftentimes we, we, we do that mental gymnastics to justify our behavior, to avoid doing the actual work to deal with our behavior. I don't, mm. you don't need to tell me, um, can't believe why you're doing this. I, I don't need to know what I need to know is what do you want 
at the end yeah. of the day? And right. how are your actions going to reflect that? I, I, I don't care why you cheated. I don't. I don't. Mm -hmm. I not just because I relate or understand, but because that's not what's going to help you right now. You know, for sure. Um, do you do you think that do you have anything to add to to that idea of like seeking justification? No, like, I mean, I think, yeah. I think that you're, that you are right in that. I think it's important for us to, to ask ourselves the questions about like why we do some of the things that we do, but when we're this deep in it, right. Mm -hmm. Instead, the question needs to be like, how am I going to move forward from this in a way that's healthy so yeah. that I can then get to a point where I can take some space to breathe, to reflect and to make sure that I don't find myself in a situation that's this painful for me again. Yeah. And I want to give you permission. I remember being in like a really unhealthy situation relationship thing um, and feeling like, like knowing that it needed to end, but feeling like I like, I have no, I'm already, I'm in too deep. Might as well commit to this fucking terribleness. Mm -hmm. You can always change. You can always make a decision in this moment that is different from every decision you've ever made in your life. Like mm -hmm. that, you have the right to that as an autonomous human. And you might feel like you're in too deep or you're in deep right now um, and that you can't get away from your wretchedness. But Sam and I are here to tell you, you absolutely can. Right For now, sure. you can do something in this moment. Um, next question. Why don't I feel more guilt about the affair? Ugh, because we're complicated, nuanced humans that have a, uh, like a what do I want to say? Like a, our sense of goodness, good and bad, right and wrong. It's, um, I'm making like a jellyfish motion with my <laughs> hands. What word am I thinking of? Nebulous. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Like it's, it, it is, it, it changes shape all the time. Undulating. Yep. Sure. Mm -hmm. Whatever. Yeah. Um, uh, and that, but I also think, go ahead. No, I also think that like you probably don't feel guilty about this because this was a balm that saved you from unhappiness for a long time, mm, right? Mm. Like, and I think you seeking things that brought you joy in a time when you were feeling very unhappy um, probably is is absolving you from some of the guilt. And I'm not saying in any way that that's a bad thing. Like, I think that it's a very human and understandable thing to be like. I was so upset and sad from this marriage because of the things that my husband did to me. And I found something that made me feel better and I'm not going to feel bad about it. Mm. Right. I think totally. that's a, a completely human response yeah. to it. And it's, it's not maybe it's not something I think that will bring you to true joy to, to happiness that is sustainable and affirming. Right. But I do think that it is an hundred percent, like a very understandable reaction to this. Yeah. And I, I think you and I've talked about cheating before and we've talked about like, yes, like there is, there's totally time and place to feel bad. Right. Mm -hmm. But how long can that self punishment last until you just accept this happened and I'm moving on this sure. happened. I need to move forward. Going back to the mantra of the check-in topic, this happened. I need to move forward. Um, last question. Why am I willing to continue risking my marriage for this friendship when I, when he could decide to cut me off again tomorrow? Uh, because this is the love that you have told yourself that you deserve. Oh, damn. I'm snapping. <laughs> damn. 
And I mean yeah. that like this is the um, tough loveiest part you are that I'm going to get to. Uh, you are no. deciding to risk your family for this friendship. I mean, uh, let's give her all the agency. You are deciding to do this and mm-hmm. and you are weighing the consequences whether like fully or um honestly or or numbingly to yourself. Um you are deciding that this man's the comfort of this man's love is worth the discomfort of not talking to him anymore. And that is something that I might want to put into question. Like, like, yes, it feels good to be loved by him. It feels good to be touched by him, to be desired. It feels better than the discomfort of your marriage. But that man cannot save you from the discomfort in your life. So I would, I'm not going to tell you what to do, but I would suggest like you need to find what makes you happy outside of another person and outside of an mm-hmm. additional relationship to the to the marriage that you're sustaining right now for sure what what makes you feel l- worthy that isn't another person's approval mhm yeah, and I, you even write in the the last paragraph of your letter i feel so empty thinking that i could end up without any true good true love at all mm-hmm. right and I'm going to be super honest with you right now. You don't have it right now. <laughs> mm, you don't fuck. You don't have it with your marriage, right? Because you are um you are being dishonest with your husband, right? You are not putting in the time and effort that it takes yeah. in order and, to to build and foster good true love, yeah, right? Yeah, and and on the other side like, you know, your husband isn't doing what you need, right? Like For sure. like your relationship just again, time does not equate goodness. Go ahead. Right. And if we were, if your husband had written in, like we would have a conversation with him, but you also like at this point can't control what your husband does. Right. So you can only control how you respond to that. Um, and you're also not getting your good, true love with this person who will never be able to fully commit to you in the way that you want. Right. Like, and I think that you, so, so I'm saying that in a way to maybe make you feel less scared of the possibility that these two things could leave your life, right? Because you are already operating in a space of scarcity because because mm. of you are not getting what you need from either of these people, right? So you're already there. You are already in a place where you're not getting the love that you need and guess what? You're still you're still functioning. Mm. <laughs> you are still moving through it. You are still waking up every day and moving on with your life, right? So how can you do it in a way that takes back some of the power? How can you do it in a way that says like, I deserve better than this from both of these men. So yes. I'm either going to make my husband show up for me in the way that I need him to, or I'm going to leave him because like, even right now, I'm not getting the good true love that I know that I deserve. And I am not this- going to let this bet friends with benefits man continue to sleep with me and then ignore me for three months. I deserve right. better than that. Neither of you, neither of these men right now is giving me what I need. And so I have the power and authority to take control of that, to say, I deserve better. And either you give it to me or I go and I, I'm <laughs> find it with myself and with other people who right. aren't you. And, and guess what? My love, the choice is not between your husband and this man. This choice is between your husband and being single, right? Like that, mm-hmm. th- that man is not available. And he right. right now looks like a lifeboat to the life that you want. And he's not, he is not, he is a piece. He's a door in the Titanic wreckage, right? 
Well, I mean, that actually worked for one person. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> okay. But like, you know, like he is not, he's not available, period. So right. you have to turn your brain off from like, he's, he stop dating him. He's not, he's, he's not available, period. Exactly. And if you want to be with someone who's not your husband, leave him so you can be with them fully and be with somebody who wants to be with you fully. Right. We, exactly. At, to end though, we, I, I know I got really excited there, but that's just because I had the revelation of like, this is not an either or sort of thing. It's right. a, like that he's a, he's a null option. You know, the, the friend is just to close though, Sam and I don't think that you're a bad person. We just think that you are frozen in this ang- paralyzing anxiety of being unloved. Right. But you need to uh, you need to grow a well of resistance, res- resilience within yourself that tells you you are lovable no matter what. Like that that love doesn't go away when people come and go in out of your lives. Right. And that you're worthy of a happiness that fulfills you in a way, you know. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, um. Thank you so much for writing. Thank you so much for telling us all of that. And we hope you feel seen and heard and loved and accepted. And we also hope you feel challenged to live that full, authentic, happy life that you deserve. Absolutely. We love you. All right, everyone. So this brings us to the blind date segment of our episode. This is when we shout something out that we think you're really going to like and send you home with. So this week, our blind date is... Okay, so it's a podcast that I have actually found a ton of comfort in during this quarantine time called Staying In with Emily, Emily and Kumal. And it's, um, em, it's Kumal Ninjani, the actor, comedian person who was in The Big Sick. Mm-hmm. And he's been in a bunch of things. Like he's very like visibly recognizable. And his wife, and they both, um, his wife is immunocompromised and um, has an illness that makes them like stay home and quarantine for like 14 days every couple months or whatever, whatever, whenever her, um, uh, immune disorder like flares up. Mm -hmm. And so they, and they, and they work at home, um, as writers. So they, they kind of use this time to create a podcast that about, you know, quarantining, about staying at home, about dealing with anxiety and about fear of like immune, uh, being, uh, compromised or sick. Um, but they're also like funny, and they really try to not like talk about the C word as they call it a ton. Um, but I just felt like, like sentimental moment for a second. I was like feeling really anxious the other day and I went for a long, like an hour long walk and I listened to them and their vulnerability and their silliness um, and their banter like really comforted me and like brought like tears to my eyes a couple of times and made me laugh and it made me think of our listeners and I, I, this might sound really weird, but I just have never had an experience where I listen to two strangers talk in the same way that Sam and I talk like banter style. Mm-hmm. And it brought me a lot of comfort and it's so nice. The biggest reason why I want to suggest this is because it's so nice to listen to something lighthearted mm. right now, something not about true crime or I don't know, not about toxic relationships, <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> but just like about humans like surviving and laughing and being in love. Um, and uh, I just really have enjoyed it. And they're donating all of their proceeds to charities helping those affected by um, the pandemic. So it's called Staying In with Emily and Kumail. So right. check it out on all the places where you find your podcast. Awesome. Thanks everyone for listening. You can like us on Facebook and you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Just Break Up Pod.
You can also slide into our DM, send us your favorite relationship memes. But most importantly, you can submit your questions about all matters of the heart at JustBreakUpPod.com, which is also where you can find tickets to our live stream show happening on Saturday, April 18th at 6 p.m. Central Daylight Time. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever the fuck that is. Uh Please don't forget to subscribe and leave us a five-star rating and review this and also consider supporting us on Patreon. If you support us on Patreon for $5 a month, you get an additional bonus weekly episode as well as other tiers that unlock other cool goodies. This literally keeps the lights on and helps us reach more brokenhearted souls who need two random strangers giving them relationship advice. Original music, uh, editing, producing by our good friend P- Big Cats. Make sure to check out his podcast, The What If Podcast. And remember... You can grieve your lost expectations and at the same time embrace the uncertainty of the future. You can be grateful for and find comfort in all the privileges of your life. And at the same moment, show empathy, generosity, and care for others less fortunate than you. You are made up of a million opinions, moments, emotions, choices, and experiences. And this challenging time is just one of them. You are capable, you are worthy, and you are enough. And if all else fails, just break up. <laughs>